Merry Christmas. Man, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you. It's great to have all these people up on stage with the kids all the way up and just a huge celebration of our Savior. I love taking time where we can just celebrate our King in worship, in the music part of worship, and now also in the word part of worship. And so as we dive in, we're getting into the start of a new series here, very short series, Christmas series called Prepare the Way. Prepare the way. Have you noticed that God is doing a lot of things in this world? Have you noticed like he's got his hands in all over the place, making miracles take place, lives being shaped, really churches being formed, hearts being brought towards him. Our God is doing a miracle work. And here's the thing. He's not doing it each day where he's like, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm doing today. Let's figure this out. And then he just kind of dives in. Like, so that's not, everybody say, that's not the plan. That's not the plan, man. He knows exactly where he's headed. He knows what he's doing. He's had a plan the whole way. In fact, he's preparing the way. And uh, that's where we got the title from. Comes right out of the Christmas story sequence. So what we're going to do over these next three uh, different times we meet, that includes Christmas Eve, is looking at some statements he made in the Old Testament and then some things that were then the fulfillment of that into the New Testament. We're going to see his plan unfold as we take a look through Scripture, all right? So here's what we're going to do for day one here. We're going to be talking about the place that was chosen. We're looking into Micah chapter 5. So turn with me, if you will, to Micah chapter 5. We got ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, they've got a Bible for you. We're going to walk through a couple of passages here. So if you do need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you there. We're going to be in Micah chapter 5. That's Old Testament. There's like five or six books there at the Old Testament. For those who need to use your table of contents, feel free, right? Sometimes we don't get into these prophet pieces of the Old Testament and we kind of forget the order. It comes right after like Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. I still hear pages turning, so I'm going to keep talking, right? Make sure you get there. Micah, all right. So here's the first point. Hope. Hope. In eternity past, God chose Bethlehem as the place where Jesus would enter this world to bring peace. Hope. In eternity past, God chose Bethlehem as the place where Jesus would enter this world to bring peace. We're jumping in in Micah chapter 5, and this is God speaking through the prophet Micah. He's talking to the nation of Israel. This is about 800 years before the time of Christ, all right? About 800 years before the time of Christ, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Now muster your troops. That basically means get ready for battle, right? Rally the warriors. It's time to prepare for battle. And he's giving them a time and a place of what to expect and what's going on. He says, muster your troops. And then he says, O daughter of troops. Who's that? Well, this is actually the city of Jerusalem. This is the nickname for Jerusalem, daughter of troops. In fact, they had been besieged in so many different ways right around this time, some even taken into exile, that they ended up calling it the daughter of troops. There's like so many different nations and so many different warriors of all different places, and it's like every day you wake up, there's another troop out there, another warrior crew, and so he called Jerusalem the daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. There had been attacks. There had been defeats. 
There had been harsh treatment. All of this through God's uh, allowing and God's leading and uh, God's plan in the midst of the exile as he was allowing some of this to take place. It says, with a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Now, some will actually say, well, maybe this is actually a modeling of Jesus Christ when he's getting struck on the cheek. And uh, could be, but um, probably not, because you're noticing that it's staying in the present tense there. It's, it's going to transition over into future in just a moment, but it's still very present tense here. So probably it's one of the kings as uh, Jerusalem and Israel started losing and they were taken over. This is probably one of those things that happened. One of the kings or judges or rulers ended up getting struck on the cheek. It's a sign that you have been defeated. Shame on you. Kind of a statement from the other king. And uh, now he transitions over. But you... O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah. Notice he put the word Ephrathah after it. There's a number of different cities that were named Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it means house of bread. So it was a great uh, title that just said, God's providing here, we're living well. So there were a number of cities named Bethlehem, so he's being very specific about which Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrathah, and this is actually the place where David was born. It says, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Too little. Like this is one of those small little country towns that had a lot of history, but not a lot of people bustling around in it, okay? A small little town, a humble place. Everybody just say humble. It's going to come up over and over again with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and so, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Like, dude, we couldn't even count you in. You were so small, right? That's what he's saying. And uh, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Literally, that means from eternal days or from the eternity of days before. In other words, God planned this out from eternity past, okay? And, and it's coming through Bethlehem, not because one day God is like, I don't know, just pick a town. Like, that's not what it was. It, it was him literally saying, from eternity past, I know exactly where I'm headed with this thing. And we're going to head down into this city called Bethlehem, Ephrathah, the same place that David was born. We're going to head to that city. That's how this thing's going to work itself out. This is now written, recorded some 800 years before the time of Christ. And he's saying, I'm just telling you, I knew this from eternity past, and I'm revealing it to you now. Therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say... Right? What's the therefore, therefore? If you're visiting with us, you're like, we do say that? Why do we say that? We, uh, right? It's a connecting word. It's a word that says, look, what I've just shared with you has a lot of value. It has major import. And so here's what it's going to have an impact in. And uh, therefore, he shall give them up until the time. In other words, it's going to be some rough times for Israel. It's going to be some rough times for Jerusalem. It's going to be some rough times in exile. It's going to be some rough times underneath other kings and other rulerships. He's going to give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Okay, now some will say, well, maybe this is Mary. And uh, it could be. The she is in the singular form here. It's female, and we're talking about a birth. It could be that. 
Um, it could also be that it's the nation of Israel and some things going on with them as they now, as the king is brought forth, right, in this city. And, and so whichever way it is, whatever is going on, we definitely have the changing, the bringing of the new, the, the starting of the fresh in this birth, right? And so in some way, shape, or form, here comes the change. It says, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. There's going to be a gathering together of Israel in this time frame. There's going to be a huge working of God in the nation of those that have been called forth from him. It says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And he shall stand. And uh, this is going to be a huge moment in time for Israel. They're told 800 years beforehand, hear me. There's a ruler coming. And when he comes, man, I'm telling you, it is going to be like a fresh start. This king, he is going to stand up. He is going to, with all the strength of the almighty God of the universe, rule in this place. He is going to rock this world for the glory of God almighty. Here comes the king. Get ready. He's coming. And there is going to be great hope in him. It says even more, not only will he stand and shepherd, that's an awesome caring. By the way, when you shepherd, you nurture, you also protect and defend. There is a forcefulness against that which is bad, and there is a gentleness against your own as you care. He's going to shepherd. <clears throat> and then it says, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, there will be a grandeur to this person, to this king, that you cannot imagine. There will be a draw of this king that you cannot fathom. The majesty and the glory of the almighty God as he's drawn in and making an impact for the almighty king. It says, and they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. See with Micah here, God's giving him a revealing but he's kind of giving him a revealing of two different comings all at once. Have you ever been out in a mountain range and you look out and you really, you see kind of one little mountain and another mountain behind it and you can't exactly tell how far apart they are? Have you ever had that happen? Don't leave me standing up here. Have you ever had that happen? All right, good. Me too. Hey, I've had that happen too. And you're out there and you're looking at the mountains and you're like, I have no clue from one peak to the next how far it is, right? That's what's going on here. Micah is seeing multiple peaks. He's seeing the coming and the providing and the shepherding and the Savior sacrifice but he's also seeing the coming reigning king, eternal peace. He's seeing both at once. And we know now that there's actually a separation of some time, but the same king is bringing both sacrifice and hope as he shepherds for you and me, as he goes to the cross of Calvary, rises again from the dead, conquers death and sin. That's our king. And all of God's people said, and hear the word, and he's bringing eternal peace. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more physical brokenness. Absolutely perfect. He's going to be ushering that in. Second coming. And so Mike is seeing a little bit of both here as he's being able to see who Christ is and what he'll bring. And he shall be their peace. Praise be to God. And peace. How often we clamor for that word in our lives, peace. And uh, it's amazing 
when we take a look at what God's doing in this world and the millions upon millions of people that are saved, trusting in Christ, and the word getting out and his kingdom being spread and the love and the joy and the celebration in knowing him and God's doing a huge work. You know, missions has turned a corner in the last couple hundred years, totally changed in the 1800s, getting out and going after it in a whole different way. There's a guy, his name was Hudson Taylor, right? Maybe you've heard of him. And uh, this is a missionary who went to China and uh, he was saved at the age of 19. He had a passion for getting out and going after making much of Jesus Christ. And he decided to do that with this nation called China. They had been through a bunch of unrest, civil unrest, and he had a, a longing, a heart passion for them. He did a ton of work there over his lifetime. In fact, he brought his family there, spent his family's life there as well. He lost a number of loved ones over there through sicknesses and, and other various uh, tough circumstances that came up. Hudson Taylor, 11 different trips to China, and each of those spending three, four, five, six, seven years there on each of those, and just spent a long time in China. When he came back on furloughs to try to get healthy, to try to recoup a little bit too, he would actually go around and speak at different places. And uh, he was a powerful speaker as he shared what God was doing in that place. And uh, at one point, one of the guys asked him, just put his arm around him and said, can you share with us, how do you know where to go? How do you know what God's calling you to do? How do you know what God's will for you to do is? And Hudson Taylor looked at him and with no delay at all in his answer, he said, listen, you can decide what is absolutely best and then you go after that with all you've got and it's just your effort and your energy. You can do that. You could decide what is absolutely best. And then you cry out to God and you say, Lord, I want to do this for you. May you bless this as I step up for you. This is for you. Or you can do this. Fall on your knees and say, God, you're in charge of this universe. And you have a plan and you have a will and you have a work. What are you trying to do and how can I be a part of what you're doing? Lord, may I glorify you as you step up and run. I have no idea where you're going. I'm ready to hear from you. Your will, me, your servant. That's what I choose to do. You will find that God in so many ways reveals to you how he's at work. Now go after that. And follow with him. Hudson Taylor's comment. Simple comment here. So, uh, which one are you doing? As you stand up each day, are you like, all right, I know exactly what needs to be done, and I'm gonna do it, and it's all me, here we go. Let's just start loading on the effort and let's watch this thing change. I am going to change this world. Is that where you're at? Or are you like, Lord, I know what's going on, and I'm going to try my best, and will you please bless this? Make sure this works for your glory, but I'm going to go after this. Still your plan? Or are you humbly crying out for God to reveal his plan, his will, his way, his hope revealed into your life? Which one are you? Lord, may we truly hear from you. May we go after your will and your way. We can see in this passage in Micah chapter five, 
God has a plan. Everybody just say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan, man. It's a huge deal. And may we humble ourselves before the Almighty King and have hope in Him as He moves. And all of God's people said, man, if there's one thing to take away at Christmas, may we take away that statement. Lord, you're at work. You're preparing the way. I trust you. Let's work with Him, all right? That's number one, hope. Number two, Hope fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy as he was born in humble means in that specific humble city. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2 now. Luke chapter 2. Not too far forward, right? Hope fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy as he was born in humble means in that specific humble city. This is hope fulfilled. Give you a chance to get there. Luke chapter 2. All right. It starts out in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All right. So let's just stop there. So Mary is with child. At this point in the passage, Mary's with child. Mary is actually pregnant, and the Holy Spirit has been the father role, and Mary is providing the mother role. So the Holy Spirit and Mary, and there's a child. So she has not actually been married or been with another human male, but the Holy Spirit has gotten her pregnant. That's where we're at right now. So Mary has a child. They're living in Nazareth. Dude, we have a problem. I thought Jesus said Bethlehem. Or I thought God said Bethlehem when they recorded it in Micah. What's going on with that? And how does this thing get resolved? And God knows exactly what he's doing. And from eternity past, God knew exactly how it was coming down. And how does he resolve the Nazareth to Bethlehem problem? In those days, a decree went out. Caesar Augustus was stirred. He was allowed to go after uh, one of those personal moments where he's like, I wonder how awesome my kingdom is. Maybe I should take a good look at this. And you know what? I'm going to actually have everybody go back to the place they're from, and we're going to record exactly where it's at. That's right. I'm going to make everybody move. But sir, they're going to have to like walk hundreds of miles, some of them. And that's right. They'll have to walk for me. Right? That's the where he's at. He couldn't have cared less. Like, I'm just going to drive this thing, and we're going to make it happen. This is the first time he went after something like this. And uh, Quirinius. Yeah, God's kind of letting the passions of his selfishness stir, and so he ends up calling everybody to go back to their hometown. And uh, so they're heading back by decree. In other words, if you don't do it, you're in trouble, right? By decree, go after this registration. It says this was the first one that Quirinius had when he was governor of Syria. So uh, isn't it amazing how often the Middle East keeps coming back into our conversation, right? And uh, Syria, yeah, back in here, this far ago, and yes, God's still at work and having some things to say and do in and around that nation. What's going on right now around there, Tim? I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no answer for that, but I'll tell you this. God's at work, man. He's preparing a way, and may we never respond with fear as much as with hope. And all of God's people said, and we have a God at work. May we hope in him. May we long for him to do an amazing thing. He knows how to work even with Syria, okay? And so let's watch what God has to do over these next days, weeks, months, years 
uh, in and around that area. Here, he's got the governor of Syria going for a registration plan, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So we went from Nazareth, which is on the north end of Israel, okay, and they had to walk then to Bethlehem down towards the south end, actually beyond the Sea of Galilee and down quite a ways, 80 miles approximated, 80 miles that they had to walk. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, baby, I know you're nine months pregnant, and I know it isn't feeling good. I thought maybe we could go on a picnic It's like 80 miles of adventure, some of it uphill, some of it downhill. It's going to be a blast, and uh, I'll get something for you to ride on here and there, and let's see how this goes. And they figured on estimate, typically, it would take somewhere around five or six days. Um, I'm not sure when you're pregnant, maybe seven, right? That's a lot of, everybody say that's a lot of walking, right? That's a lot of walking, man, and uh, huge. Uh, We're going to walk to Bloomington and back over the next five days but it's going to be a blast. Can you imagine that conversation? That's just an amazing talk that they had to have as they had to figure out how to honor this decree and walk the 80 miles. So they're on their way now to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. This is where David was born. And uh, yes, this small little town, Joseph and his family called back to there. Why did they end up there? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. He was of the house and lineage of David. Now, everybody has to kind of hear this. Check this out. So we'll start with David. We're going back into Samuel, okay? And so we're starting with King David. There's a promise made to to David. In 2 Samuel 7, 13, God says, your lineage will reign on this throne forever, right? So we're starting with David in this promise, the Davidic covenant, your lineage will reign forever. David's like, awesome, right? And down through his line comes Solomon and some pretty bad things start happening. Things start unwinding. We get to this king named Jeconiah. And uh, Have you ever heard of the name Jeconiah? Right? So Jeconiah, this is an Old Testament king. He was not a good dude. Right? He did not do well. Things did not go well. And in fact, at one point in Jeremiah 22, the statement is made, Jeconiah, you're done with your reign and your bloodline will not continue. There will be no reign of your bloodline forward. The specific statement was, I am taking the signet ring from you. Your kingship and kingship coming after you, done. Okay? Well, how does that work then? I thought David was promised that his line would eternally be king, and all of a sudden, down line, one of them is told, not you, man, and none of your follow-through. How could this possibly ever work? Just so you know, down through that same line ends up coming Joseph, okay? So Joseph is in that line all the way back up through Jeconiah, back up through David, all the way up, okay? That's the line of Joseph, the legal line if you will, to the kingship, but Jeconiah was told your bloodline will not continue. God's fix. Well, see, we see two different genealogies in the New Testament, one in Matthew and one in Luke. And in Luke, we see that through David, off through another guy, Nathan. Now, this isn't going through Solomon. Now, through Nathan, 
This one tracks down all the way through to Mary and the bloodline of David carrying through to Mary, Mary's blood, a part of the kingship, Jesus Christ now carrying the blood of David through Nathan and through that line, steps in where Joseph, and it stopped there, starts up with Mary, and that is Jesus Christ, king of the universe, promised hope, your Davidic rule will be for eternity. Jesus is the answer to that through Mary's bloodline. Yes, it stops over here and it ends with Joseph. That's where that one ends. And Jeconiah in the statement of, it ain't happening with you, dude. But it goes over this line and it comes down through Mary. Does God know what he's doing? And the answer is, God knows what he's doing. And God makes good on his promises, man. And when he says something, lock in. That's how it's going down. Like, that's what he means to say. That's what he's doing. He lets his yes be yes and his no be no, right? We've heard that phrase before. And may we also be like our God. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When you say it, mean it, stick to it, right? That's what we should be going after. That's what our God did. He's made true on these promises from beginning to end. And um, parents, when you're teaching your kids, teach them. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. From the youngest of times, man, you can teach them. It's important when you tell me you're going to do it, you do it. When you tell a friend you're going to do it, you do it, right? Teach that this is an important facet of who our God is. And, and it's a huge part of this promise. Because when you go backwards now, and it's just some small little statement, Joseph's lineage from Bethlehem, whatever. We can read it and skip it and move on. But man, we better not miss it. God's answering many promises in the midst of this one little moment. As he has said, David, your bloodline will rule for all eternity. There will be one that comes through you that will rule for all eternity. And it ends up being through Mary, Jesus Christ himself. As he says simply this, know this, Jeconiah, ain't happening with you, man. We're not going that way. And that's for sure. And then as he says, know this, Bethlehem, through you, smallest of towns, something massive is going to come down. God's got a plan. And all of God's people said, man, it's huge. As we take a look at the promises of Scripture and see all that he is doing. And uh, all right. Notice it says now, he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. And, uh, who was with child. We've talked about that. This is a miracle moment. Mary is with child. Joseph did not believe her, right? First moment of conversation was, no, seriously, this was the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was like, yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, no, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm not going to destroy you, but I am certainly not going to be a part of this charade, right? And uh, needed to hear from God himself, really, through an angel, a message saying, trust her, believe her. This thing's for real, man, and a miracle of God at work as the Holy Spirit has Mary now with child. It says, and while they were there, the time came. What time? The time prepared from eternity past that Bethlehem, Ephrathah, would be the place where God Almighty would actually reveal himself. Fully God, fully man for you and for me. And uh, the time had come for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Laid him in a manger, no place for him in an inn. Everybody just say, humble start. start. And may we not lose it. The king of the universe, Jesus Christ. He spoke and the worlds exist. His very presence holds it all together. The sustaining, providing, revealing, speaking, creating God of the universe has clothed himself with brokenness, humanity looking like. Just humbled himself to man and came down to you and me and was born in the smallest of towns and was left in a manger of hay. That's not comfortable. Have you been laying on hay ever? Have you ever laid on hay? It's, it's, it's all right, it's better than a rock, but it's not very, it, that can be very harsh and stiff, and so they set it up just enough and swaddled him in and tucked him in tight and laid him down, the king of the universe for you and for me. And we sang a song here today, I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is king. I believe that he is fully God and fully man. I believe that he has come to this earth for you and for me. I believe. Do you believe? Man, the God of the universe, in answer to a promise, as he literally says, hear me, this one will be the king of all kings. He will be the the ruler who brings strength who brings the majesty of God Almighty, who brings peace, Micah chapter five. This is the one who will answer the Davidic promise. This is the one who will usher in perfection. I'm just telling you, that's too big for you and me to do. Man doesn't bring that. The one who is fully God, fully man. Now that is where the miracle lies. And all of God's people said, man, we gotta trust in our Jesus Christ. And trust in him as Savior and King. He is King. He is reigning King now. In a spiritual sense, there is going to be a physical rule of Jesus Christ for all eternity. He will be coming again, thundering forth his authority. He will be taking over, not just as soft shepherd who cares, but also as defending, protecting shepherd who is putting everything in place. That is our God. It says that he will come with the sword as the one weapon that has come. We don't have the weapons when we come with him. Did you know that? No weapon. Just the word of his own tongue. He spoke it into existence and he will end it with his word as well. That is our king. He has come to this earth at Christmas for one reason. As we look back now, we remember this. That he has come to make a payment for you and for me. He has come to go to the cross. He has humbled himself. And this wasn't just some whim and some thought in the moment. This was a plan prepared from eternity past. Told some 800 years earlier and recorded in Micah. And then rolled out as true in Luke chapter 2. We see the details of what's happening as it rolls out. When literally he shouldn't have been in Bethlehem. So a governor changes the rules and makes a move. And God knew what was happening. So I just wrote these words down. 
I thought just we could celebrate and respond together uh, by just saying these words. Jesus is my king. Just say it with me. Jesus is my king. Say it louder and bigger. Jesus is my king. Louder and bigger. Jesus is my king. All right, now we got it. Ready? I'm going to say a phrase. You say that phrase after me. Keep it loud. Keep it big. Here we go. God had a plan. Okay, now I'll be clear about what I'm talking about. You're going to say Jesus is my king. So let's practice that again. (laughs) It worked really well in the mirror, I don't know. All right, so let's just try Jesus is my king. Ready? You stay with that. I've got a couple other things to say, but you're going to say that one over and over again. Here we go. God had a plan. Jesus is my king. From eternity past. Jesus is my king. He came in humble means. Jesus is my king. Born in the little town of Bethlehem. Jesus is my king. He will shepherd his people. Jesus is my king. He will usher in peace. He will save us from our sin. He will reign forever. Our rock, our redeemer. Come to bring us hope. Jesus is my king. king. And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. He had a plan. And he knows what he's doing. And Jesus Christ is king. Do you believe it? Do you trust him? Are you leaning on him? And maybe today's the day where you lock it in. Maybe you've been walking through this going, I don't know. I love Christmas. I love gifts. It's fine. I love food. I'm good with all that. Maybe it's time to make it more about Jesus as my king. Right here, right now, today. Let's lock in, man. Do not walk away from today without saying, I believe. I believe that you are risen from the dead, I believe. I believe that you are God Almighty, I believe. I confess that you are Lord, King of the universe, I confess that. I'm in. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe that he's raised from the dead, if you confess him as your Lord, you are saved. That's salvation, man. Faith, belief, trust, and hear me now, confessing him as Lord. That means not just you're in charge over there, do what you want. It means you're in charge right here. What do I need to do? You are Lord of my life. May we count on our God to have a plan and hope in him. May we hand our lives to him and trust him as Savior and King. Lord, over what happens both today, tomorrow, and for all eternity in my life, I'm trusting in you. That's saved. Man, in this Christmas season, let's make much of our God.